on just on just heterosexual relationships. No, I think no, I've done enough. No, that's enough. You've done enough in this podcast. <laughs> I've done enough. <laughs> if we didn't cut everything out, he said in the dollar podcast. We don't edit this podcast. <laughs> You've done enough. <laughs> You're listening to the Dude Nature Podcast. everybody welcome to the dude nature podcast we are coming to you live from mom's living room i'm noah and i'm here with my brother adam i just came in really loud adam how are you today what's it you came in what's loud. a grape for you noah these are the grapes we grab to each other for uncaffeinated sorry seconds. uncaffeinated adam uncaffeinated, uncaffeinated adam uncaffeinated edition okay these uncaffeinated you're not these are the grapes we grab to each other for 30 seconds each about something mildly irritating you're not drinking coffee so i'll start with my grape my grape of course is the decaf coffee that i have in front of me because guess what? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why are it you doing this? It smells like coffee. It looks like coffee. It tastes like coffee. And when I Can drank it, I felt great. And now, 10 minutes later, I'm kind of waiting for my pecker to get kind of hard. And it's you know? not getting there. My, my like, woo! There's like, lead, nothing going lead to pecker. come into my pencil. No lead in the pencil. And guess what? I feel exactly Zero lead. the same. Can, can so you the explain the to the listener? Lasted can you just three minutes. Can you back up for a second and explain to the listener what you're doing? God, we are loud today. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty hyped today. Whoa. I remember me in the morning. I've had I've just been I've been on edge a little bit. Can you explain? Well, to why the, have you been on edge? I don't know. I think <laughs> I was gonna be part of my grape. Can you explain to the listener what you're what why you're giving up caffeine? Like what you're doing? Here's the thing about caffeine. Noah and I gave up caffeine when we were trying to start a startup called Guess what it failed well, start the Talit, which was a bar mitzvah app for planning bar mitzvahs. Yeah, and. The business didn't succeed. I got a shocker for you And it might have been 100% to do with the month that we didn't drink caffeine. We'll blame it on that. We'll blame it on that. I I got a shocker for you guys. When you give up caffeine, you do less work. Shocker. So Adam right now... Oh, fuck. Adam right... He spilled it on himself. Adam right now has has given up caffeine. So so your gripe is that your decaf coffee is just basically not doing what normal coffee does. Right. So my gripe is that I have decaf coffee, right? It is everything about coffee, the, the taste of flavor, except that it doesn't give you that rush of I of clarity and mental production that coffee gives you. It, it has nothing to do with that, actually. So my gripe is that it's really hard to give up caffeine. This is, I'm on week two. I'm almost done with week two of no caffeine. I'm doing it because caffeine really affects my moods, I've noticed, and it affects my sleeps. And it affects my workouts, which I don't like all three of those things. So I'm trying to give it up, right? However, living in the modern world, in the modern age, with when where you, do, you have to worry about a credit score, where you have to buy real estate, do, where do you have to do your job, speak to LegalZoom you for three to, hours. Maybe you maybe you need to go to CVS to get your girlfriend's prescription. Maybe you need to talk to, Chase, to talk to Chase Bank and fill out an application form that's 10 Basically, 10 there's long. all kinds of bullshit. And the, the solution for the bullshit, bullshit is, is coffee. coffee. Otherwise, the modern world would not exist. And I actually have more to say about this. No, I agree with you, though, about <laughs> that. I don't think it would exist as it so is now without I read, coffee. I read a segment of Michael Pollan's book. And basically... What book is it? What book? Back up. It, Michael Pollan's what book. Is it? It's called Plants... Your Brain on Plants. Something like that. He wrote, it's his Michael new book. Pollan, it's his new book. It's famous all that he wrote about not giving up caffeine. Right. Uh, your Brain on Plants or something. Yeah. And in it, he lays out an argument... That the entire Western world would not come to be without caffeine. Basically, it was invented in in um, Arabia, Arabian Nights, and then you're like, where is Arabia? Right, the mm-hmm. Arab world. They had the first coffee houses, and you know how they were ahead. So of... So no wonder their science and math and everything was like the first. They were so ahead yeah, of the exactly. Game. So they were ahead of the game. So that's why they were ahead of the game. Because people were talking about they would go to the coffee houses, right? They would sit down. They would have coffee for the first time. And they would be like, the mental math. clarity. They'd be like, math and physics and learning and renaissance. And like, and they yeah. were like literally, they were literally popping right. off with right. coffee. So, right? right. So the bean literally made a better right. society. So it actually made Western society and all the ideas that we know. When like the coffee houses moved to Europe. Working in So office. it's actually fucking crazy. So in a modern world. You might actually need coffee to do all this bullshit that we have to do. Anyway, what's your gripe? Um, my gripe, I have a couple gripes. My gripe is you giving up coffee. Because I, I do while I do really respect it as far as like how hard it is, and you've done it, I definitely respect it. I just I don't really get it, and now I kinda have to deal with uncaffeinated Adam 
And I just like you're more productive when you're caffeinated. So it actually you giving up caffeine, it affects all the other people around you in the modern world. Right. Because I feel like I'm underwater. Right. Because you're feel more like, productive with caffeine. And so I also feel like it's a little bit pretentious. Maybe you feel like you're better than other definitely people. Definitely there's pretentious. Like it's a little pretentious. And so that's that's my gripe today. Okay. Game. You don't have anything to say about it? I have a lot more to say. We just went really long on that say, section. Say one more thing about it. I just I feel like... What I can't under I can't really understand why you're doing it, honestly, because we because we we've done it and I res, but I respect it because it ta- it's so hard to do. So I respect that you've done it, but we've done it before doing the business and we found some truths to it. One, li- your general life is better, but two, you can't do as much work. So that's basically it. Are you still pooing regularly? Do you know what I mean? Like, did that throw it off too? Oh my god, you know what I mean? Look at your crossword times before and after caffeine. How's, how's your crosswords been? Have you even done them? Yeah. Okay. It's time to play a game. Let's do this it. This is Dude Nature, the uncaffeinated edition. The half calf. I'm calf. This is the half calf. Dude, <laughs> Dude Nature, Nature half calf. Dude Nature half calf. Uh, I'm gonna name a planet, and you are gonna name what movie, TV show, book it's from. Okay. okay. These are all desert planets, like the planet of Arrakis. Okay. What's the planet of Arrakis? It's the planet on Dune. Dune. It's the planet where they're at on. I Dune, was thinking where shit goes down on Dune. Uranus. Backdoor slots nine. <laughs> what about like Uranus? What Keep about going. Uranus? Uranus, Uranus is getting foggier and foggier no, every day. Did you know that? It actually is. That's good. That's a joke. That's good. My joke was Uranus was in, was in the movie. You're, it's half calf. Okay. Keep going. Terrible uh, joke. Jakku. Jakku. Oh, or ja- as they say, Jakku. In the terrible new Star Wars. Yeah. The Martian. In the Andy Weir Martian movie. Yeah. What's the planet though? Mars. Mars, you yeah, s- <laughs> yeah. You that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Utopia Planetia. Whoa. What show is that from? Utopia Planetia. It just it describes a part of Mars. Part of Mars. No. What show is it from? Oh, um, damn. I, I don't know. Uh, Star Trek. Utopia Planetia. Yeah. Star right, Trek. Good. How about Anaris? Oh man. I think there's two R's, so it might be Anar. No, is that a Star Wars a one? Is that a Star Wars one? No, too? I think that you have read this book. You've read this book, or at least you've read a little bit of it. You've definitely heard of it because I've talked about it. Damn. Oh, Hyperion. No, it's from the Dispossessed. It's Ursula Le Guin's. I've not book. read it. You have not read it. I've not read. Still it. not read. I don't it. love Ursula. How fucking dare you? Yeah, I, that, I just, that is blasphemy. I, I, well, I think part of some, How, part of your why fucking. Why are you fucking like? I know. No, but what are you talking about? You about you yourself. What do you mean? You just don't just like shut it. up for a second. I want to tell you something about yourself. Part of you with the no coffee thing is that you're a little bit pretentious, and it's fine. But you are a little pretentious, and I think Ursula Le Guin is pretentious, a little bit pretentious, because I read her shit, and it just doesn't really do it for me. That's like saying the Beatles are pretentious, you know? Just because they came out with some of the but first, are they? but then the music. But, of but the now type. I say, but are they? No, but. But are they? No. If you had a John Lennon poster in your room, would that would be it, pretentious? Yes. No. Would no. Be. You'd be an eighteen-year-old, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but no. But if you, as a man, had it in your room, you'd be pretentious. Okay. Okay. You think Ursula? Like Urs- you think That's Ursula Le Guin is pretentious? That's I, a fucking yeah, I don't take. really like it. No, I, I, that is the wrong take. I don't that fucking really like her. Take. People that love her on Goodreads. They're like, oh my god, she's amazing. I just don't. I just don't really like it. All right, you'll get this one. How about Core Hall? But when I said you, you'll get this one, what I mean is you won't get it. But then after I tell you, you'll be like, oh, I should have gotten it, maybe. Korahal. I don't know. It's from a video game that you've oh, played. damn it. you played this game a lot. It's stressful. Oh, uh, XCOM 2. No. It's against. It's a multiplayer game against other people. It's the homeworld of the Terran Oh, my race. God. Starcraft. Starcraft, yeah. Damn it. Korahal. So, so these are all, once again, these are all... Desert planets, like around. Okay. Oh, okay. So these these you're getting at planets. You're getting at. There's a lot right. of desert planets. There's just out a there. lot of desert planets out there. Okay. They are Tatooine. I want to see if you get this one. Tatooine. I was very excited about this one. 
was very excited about this one. Okay. Do I have a chance to I, actually I, yes, get it? Yes, you do. I need you to dig for this one. Okay. Just don't just like just dig. Okay. Dig, dig the shovels out. The planet, the desert planet of Clendathu. Clint Eastwood. Uh. <laughs> no. Clendathu. Clendathu. I'm digging for it. Can I have a hint? Dig. Listeners, do you I'm, know what this just, is? Just five seconds before you get a hint. Clendathu. Yeah. Okay. Here's a hint. It's from a book. This book is also a movie. This movie has Neil Patrick Harris in it for a really short oh, amount Star- of time. Oh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, Starship Troopers. It's the homeworld of the Arachnids. Glendothu. Glendothu. Where they find the brain. Did that happen in the book? Yeah. Yeah, it happens at the end of the book. At the en- Remember at the end of the book, the sergeant and him are... At the end of the book, him he just goes... Re- no, but at the end of the book, he just goes back. He just, like, continues his career. It doesn't end. Yeah, it seems like there's going to be a sequel, right, in the, the book, book. I think the book is more about... Like being a soldier, it's like more about that than the story. Yo, yeah. Well, it's completely different. Yeah. Right. How about Vega? Okay, you're not gonna get it. Vega is Spaceballs' home planet to Schwartzmaster Yoga. Yo- I, I've written down yoga. What I mean is yogurt. Hey, dude. So, so all these are desert planets, right? All of them are desert. What planets. you're getting at is how many desert planets? That's there what I'm are getting at. Sci-fi. That's okay. Okay. Yes, that's the game cool. is. Yes, I- the game is a little long. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's. However, cool. I just have one more. That's Good. it. And I promise we're done. All right. Ta- okay. Tatooine. M six one one seven. Oh my God! No, no, no. You might no, get this no. one too. You no, might get this no, one too. No, no, Vin, no, no. Diesel, early Vin, early Chronicles Diesel. Riddick. No, no. Uh, d- door, pitch black. Yeah, pitch black. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Ollie jumped when he said yes. I didn't really get it, but uh, hey, pitch black is dang. It's that a movie. planet that Vin Diesel is stuck on. So, Noah, what is our topic today? Our topic today, if you didn't already know, is the science of Dune. We're gonna go over force fields, slick suits. Hypnosis, and then Adam, what are you going to? I'm going to go over life on desert planets. Is it possible? And sandworms, are they possible? Okay, awesome. As usual, this podcast is sponsored by the Four Sigmatic Coffee. Although Adam is pretentious and gave up coffee, I don't care. I still have my coffee. If you drink coffee, if you love it, which is probably everyone out there, then you should be drinking Four Sigmatic because it'll make you more productive. Hard nipples. You'll, you'll have hard nipples. More sex. A huge boner, and you'll be able, and it'll just be better. Everything will be better for you. Yeah. Okay, and life will be better. Adam, begins that don't suck. You have 60 seconds to tell us everything we need to know to enjoy the episode. Are you ready? Well, not just a huge boner. I mean, the ladies, ah. ladies can drink it too. You can get a femme boner if you drink four Sigmatic. Sure. Yeah. Begins that don't suck. Mm-hmm. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Dune is set in the distant Protectors. future amidst a feudal interstellar society in which various noble houses control planetary fiefs. It tells the story of young Paul Atreides, whose family accepts the stewardship, I guess, of the planet Arrakis. It is the only source. I think it's the... I don't remember from the book. It might be the only source of spice. And spice is a drug that extends life and it gives you mental abilities, I guess. And is absolutely necessary for interstellar travel. We know that. Dune won the Hugo and Nebula Award in 1966. And it is the inspiration for many cultural totems that come after it, including Star Wars, Noah. So today we take a look at Dune and some of the cool technological and scientific ideas inside of the series. No, what is our theme? Our theme today, and I, I woke up, I was a little bit lit today, so I'm going I'm to choose something. Why are you so lit today? I don't know. I just woke up. I woke up lit. My Our, our theme today is Dune, the last movie with a straight male protagonist. The <laughs> last sci-fi piece of sci-fi fiction with a straight male protagonist that will ever be made. A straight white male protagonist. Straight white male protagonist. So this is it for us. Well, <laughs> just, just pour one out, because this is the last movie to have it. Because mm-hmm. And the reason I bring this up is because the last three books... That I've read, they are there's two sci-fi books and one fantasy book. They're all from well-known male authors. That's male authors. That's authors. Joe Joe Abercrombie, Adrian Tchaikovsky, and Miles Cameron. Okay, the last three books that I have read, mm-hmm. every single book has a female main character, and they are basically bisexual. All right, you mean okay? So every book that's up for a Hugo in the last two years or a Nebula. So yeah, well, well, just for me personally, what I, what I'm reading, and this is this is not from fem- female authors, it's from like honestly male centric authors. They're probably mo- they even they their characters are not male anymore, and their characters are not heterosexual anymore. It's a different time. So I just like 
But it's, it's tough because I'm reading these books and I, I just really think to myself, not every single person can be bisexual, right? I mean, it I, doesn't make any but sense. I think people say that's a common criticism of Dune, right? He's kind of like the white male savior coming in to, to help the free men, you know, when they may, they maybe they don't need his help. Right. So one thing that, uh, one thing, and, you know, it's fine to have other, other characters. But one thing I liked about Dune was like, it was funny to read all this new science fiction stuff. Every single character modern, modern, is new. not a white man that is heterosexual. The old, the old Dune, that's who he is. Right. Well, you can see where Star Wars got its inspiration from, right? Yeah, Luke. Hey, Luke, you know, Luke Paul, Paul Atreides. Wait, even the names, the names are Luke like, Luke is so very, white. It's, I know. Mess, it's Jesus, Messianic, you know? Right, 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 right. Totally. Also, yeah. But do, do you know what I mean? And if you look at, like what you said, every every sci-fi book that's up for the Nebula or or the Hugo, mm-hmm. you you can speak to this better than me, because you've looked at, looked at it, is... It's a female author. It's a female author. It. Just in the last couple of years. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so just I saying think that we're just like really lo- we're losing white dudes as the protagonist. Like they're is gone. something that you miss? Yeah, I I, I don't I, don't get mad at me. Okay, don't cancel me. But I'm just saying that for me personally, when I read a book, it is very it's just hard for me to get to get around it. It's hard for me to get behind I, I don't care about the whiteness. I just like I like a male protagonist, I'll be honest. I like a male protagonist when I'm reading a book. I'm sorry. Why is that? I don't know because I relate to it more. No, I feel like I'm interviewing you. Something like very fast. That's fine. I just like I just I just like I, I I don't know why about myself. Maybe it's but I just get behind the story more, and it's hard for me when the last three books it's a female bisexual female. It's just really hard for me to get into it, and it's also frustrating because it doesn't make any sense because there's no way there's that many bisexual people in the world, or the whole species would die. I think it's more right. Ut- it's utopian, right, where things are things are fluid like that and stuff. That's what science fiction is all about. How it works, it's just I don't know. I, I can't get behind it. Anyway, it's not for you. It's not for me. Okay. Uh, that's my theme. Anyway, Adam, sorry <laughs> us off. Please don't cancel us. Please don't cancel Please us. Please, God, don't I just, do it. It was a thought, and I wanted to share, and I was a little lit today. Okay. okay. I understand. It's just one guy talking it's to just, his brother. It's just a dude talking that's to his caffeinated. brother. That's caffeinated. To his uncaffeinated and the dude, brother. Uh, only, but do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's like- I don't agree with this take. Okay, so why don't you agree with it? Do we, do we want to engage in this? Well, it's because you're pretentious. That's right. It's because I'm pretentious. No, we can start. You can you can have your take. All right, life on desert planets, is it possible? That's my section. Okay. All right. So popular in science fiction, like we just went over, are a lot of the things in the game, like Arrakis. There's another really famous planet on Star Wars. What's it called? It's a desert planet. Tatooine. Tatooine, right? Total Recall is on Mars. Kim Stanley Robinson with the Red Mars Trilogy, right? There's a lot of desert planets in popular science fiction for some reason. But is it actually possible to have life on these planets? Okay. So a 2011 study that modeled desert-like planets said that they can not only hold life in them, but they actually may be more prevalent than what they call aqua planets. Why? Why? Because there's no water. Yeah, why? I have written down here, dot, 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 why? Question mark. Because, Noah, for one, water worlds, don't, not like the Kevin Costner water world. I was about to say, that's dank movie. White, <laughs> no. That's a white dude. That's, that's, that's oh, <laughs> this is so bad. Okay, so this is terrible. No, look, I, I don't care about Why? the white dude being the bride. I just All I'm saying is that for me personally, when I read a book about a bisexual female, it's hard for me to get behind the protagonist. That's all I'm saying. That's it. That's it. Just It's just my opinion. And for my entertainment purposes only. Is that what you liked about Waterworld? Sorry, I have to go to the Trump rally. Do you mind? <laughs> Jesus. Do you mind? Hold on one second. Oh, my God. All right, keep going. Okay. Um, right, so Waterworlds actually die faster than desert-like planets because if they are too far from the sun then the water on the planet freezes and if they are too close the water on the planet basically gets boiled by the sun and evaporates okay this is apparently what happened to venus a billion years ago where like the water vapor leaving the planet became a greenhouse gas so if you have a lot of water vapor it becomes like carbon dioxide and it traps the heat in there, and then you have some sort of runaway greenhouse effect where it's an unstoppable environmental catastrophe, global warming. Okay. Okay, so if they are too far from the sun, right, they freeze, and then if they are too close, then the water vapor boils off the planet, and it, it, they die faster. So more water equals dying faster if you're a planet. Okay, so then why hasn't Earth died faster? What do you mean? Like, Earth is going to die. Earth is going to die in 700 million years. Okay, because it has water. Because it has water. Oh, yeah. so water it, actually creates the death of a planet? Right. It's not that desert-like planets don't die because they will die. But they're more stable. They're more stable. Exactly. Okay, that's bizarre. Yeah. So desert planets, 
because of this, they have a larger habitable zone. What's a habitable zone, Noah? They have a larger area that people can live in. Yeah, it's basically the sweet spot away from the sun where a planet can thrive. So they, what's called what, the distance between Earth and the sun is called a what? Do you remember? The distance between Earth and the sun? It's a sol. It's called an astronomical unit. Okay. And one AU. Right? <laughs> so. <laughs> close, what? close, close. So desert planets, they can survive at 0.5 AU. So they're actually their space or habitable zone compared to water worlds, aqua oh, worlds. Okay. What you're saying is that they have a longer they range have a to be closer three, to the sun. They have a three times larger space than aqua planets. That they can exist in. That they in. can exist in than water planets. And so the freemen living on on a desert world is not so crazy. No, it's not so crazy, right? Because they a lot of worlds that are habitable could be desert-like. Right, exactly. Okay. Okay, so why, why, is it, why could desert planets survive like this because they have less water so when they freeze if they're in the freezing zone you have less water that becomes snow and ice the problem with snow and ice is not that it freezes okay problem with snow and ice is that it reflects sunlight back into space which traps more heat it all has to do with the greenhouse effect right and you're saying the water actually causes more of a greenhouse yes exactly but okay okay, so then i have a i have a question though yeah just wait one sec let me get to the opposite let me get to the opposite side Oh, the opposite. I can't flip. ask my question. No, you can ask your question. Go ahead. The I'm o- just worried it's going to be about like some sort of Trump rally. Right. Like, no, some I, KKK <laughs> right. No, I'm moving on. So you're, like, I realized that that's where it was going. I'm okay. moving on. Like, it it so, sounded rough. Right. So um, the ocean acts as like a really big greenhouse sink for, for Earth. So like a lot of carbon dioxide and greenhouse gases get sucked into the ocean. So that actually minimizes greenhouse effect. Right. What did you say again? I'm totally uncaffeinated, so I completely missed that. The ocean on Earth acts as a greenhouse sink. It yep. takes in a lot of greenhouse gases and stops the greenhouse effect. It acts as a greenhouse sink. Right. So you're saying that water planets eventually have a higher greenhouse effect, right? Yes. The ocean, though, counteracts that. Uh, what? what? What evidence do you have for that? The ocean is a greenhouse sink? Our ocean takes in a ton of greenhouse gas. Are you thinking about plants? Do you, are you, you think you're thinking no, about plants? No, our ocean. The ocean on the earth takes in a lot of greenhouse gases. How does that, how does that work? They the get, water? Yes. The hydrogen? Yes. It takes in the greenhouse gases. The ocean. And all, the ocean also is not reflective. It's not a reflective surface. <laughs> so that stops the greenhouse you, effect from running away. Okay. That's what that's what the fucking environmentalist at the Trump rally was telling me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why global warming Jesus doesn't Christ. exist. Okay, so the less water there is, the less heat that gets trapped because water vapor because there's less water vapor. Okay, so there's less greenhouse effect. So the desert planets they can stand more heat and they can stand more freezing. Therefore, their habitable zones are bigger. Therefore, it's actually more likely that there's going to be desert planets with life, like Tatooine, like Arrakis, than there is. Aqua planets or water planets like Earth. Pretty crazy, right? Okay. So, as a follow-up study, the journal in the Journal of Astrobiology in 2013, the University of Tokyo discovered that land planets, like desert planets, they had a habitable zone, like I said before, that was three times bigger than a water planet. Okay? As they say, as they said in the study, the first habitable planet is more likely to be a member of the land planet class than the aqua class. Interesting. What do you make of it? Until we find life on like Titan on Saturn Saturn's moon, that's nice planet, and then we'll just rewrite all this. Well, okay, so I mean, there's planet. There are planets out there that are made only entirely of iron. There's many types of different planets. Right. There isn't just Earth-like planets. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do I make so of you're, it? You're you're talking Listen, about something that could have life underneath the ice, the crust of the ice. Right. Right. On, on like Titan or something. But yeah. What I think what I think is interesting is that. It's not great. So all these sci-fi things, they have life on a desert world, and that's actually it's maybe accurate because more desert worlds will, will exist in a habitable zone from the sun. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, it's correct. Definitely Good. correct. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So land. This is kind of the, a little more in detail about why land planets, desert planets, are better at resisting freezing and heating. So. The complete freezing of a, wa- of a water planet happens when the sun is below 90% of what Earth receives. So if Earth got less than 90% of what the sun that it gets right now, it would become a freezing planet. 10% less. 10% or yeah, more exactly. less. But on a desert planet, the sun can get to 58% of what Earth receives. 
until it gets fucked over, basically. So there's a big, way bigger window in which it can survive. Right. But but what you're getting at is that there are more. There will be more habitable yes. plants yes. that are desert. Yes. Yes. Adam. Yes. It, it's a Ex- great you probability. Totally it's got fucking it. Mad. You totally yeah. got it for once. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic, right? That's nothing to do with... Let's go, go, Donald. <laughs> 24. It. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so on the flip side, if the planet was closer to the sun, it could receive 170% of Earth's sunshine before the water started vaporizing. 170%. Okay. Because there's way less water. So there's not, a, in desert planets, there's not no water. We're not talking about planets with no water. We're talking about planets that have waters where. Yeah, okay. Water where. Okay, Where's can, the water? Can I ask you this? Can I ask you this? You can ask me anything. How do, okay, so if life is more is going to be more prevalent on desert planets, how do you get water on desert planets? How right. the fuck do the Freeman get where is water? The water? Where, where the would the, the water, water be? Where, where, would, where would the coldest part of desert planets be? Where would it be? Poles. On the poles. Exactly, okay? If you look in your do nature picture share, okay, there's a map of Arrakis. Tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. Okay, just just get into it. Okay, all right, here we go. This is a map of Arrakis. I see poles. I see. <laughs> Where is the whole map situated? Okay, what Noah's looking at is a map of a Woo. planet. On the top of the map is the entire world of Dune. Which is surrounding a pole. Oh, Jesus. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. What he's trying to show is that on the globe that is Arrakis, they only live... They only live in the they pole. They only live on the top, on yeah. like the North Pole section yes. of Arrakis. Yes, in the oh, story... Yeah, in the story, they only live on the poles. So Frank Herbert, so he Frank did some gets research. It. Frank gets it, right? Even in 1966, they would only live on the poles, which would be the best place to live. The... Oh God! What's it's a, like it's like take the North Pole and make a two hundred right, mile right. radius the around equator, it. And that's where everyone the lives. The equator would be way too hot, but the poles might be just right. And the poles also would probably have water. Okay, water As, from when it was forming. No, it would the desert. So like Earth, right? Earth will become a desert planet in seven hundred million years. Okay, and our oceans will dry up. Now the the water that's at the poles will probably take a lot longer to melt. Okay, so Dune or. I mean, the planet of Dune, the planet of Arrakis, could be in this cycle that we're in, even. Okay, as planetologist... Oh, cool. Very yeah, cool. As planetologist Kevin Zonley says, although I don't think the sandworms sound possible to me, the picture of the equatorial zone being just too hot to live at is there, as well as the poles being habitable. I would actually think that the poles would be a good deal wetter than in Dune. There will be more open water at the poles, maybe even small streams and lakes. Very cool. So there you go. Uh, like I was saying, yeah, Earth will become a desert planet in 700 million years. So we have until then to figure out how we get out of here. Okay, I love it. Or we can become, you know, free men. And basically there will be more desert planets that are more habitable and that you can get water at the poles. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the section that the people want. The sandworms. Are the fucking sandworms possible? Right. Let me tell you, let me talk to you about math. Okay? Right. What was your, what was your math experience like in school? My school experience was terrible. I hated it. I hated every second of school. Was there an exception for math? Didn't you have a specific teacher that was really fun? I know. And here's me alley-ooping LeBron. I'm like literally <laughs> right, like, like maybe I, you're I throwing up and LeBron is like, what are you doing? I, I what are you German doing? I think you Mario German. Chalmers. I fucking like, I hated school. You had a teacher named Gio Monley. I hated him. Okay, can you talk to me about him? Because it's a podcast, an entertaining podcast. Right. I fucking right. hated him. I hated my math teacher. Yeah. I I also hated every class. It made me hate learn. I mean, well, it's a sad subject. A school made me hate learning, and it made me just hate my life. I hated it. I hated sitting in class. I no, I had do a it. math teacher that changed his name to Geo. I had a math teacher that changed his name so to Geo because he loved Except geometry so much. Except what he didn't like was fostering learning in other children. What he didn't like was actually teaching kids math. But then he, you know, signed up to be a teacher, so he hated me. One time he gave me detention and I literally ran out of the class and he, tr- he, this is a true story. And he tried to follow me into the parking lot and I just got a ride from one of my friends and jumped in the car and left. And he, and he was like, he was literally trying to follow me to give me detention. It was like running away from someone. <laughs> That's basically school for me. Yeah. Okay. So the square cube law in mathematics. If we throw a mouse, a dog and an elephant off of a building, Onto a stack of mattresses and see what happens. Do you know what will go down? Mouse, dog, What do you think will elephant. happen to the mouse? Hold on. Stop. Start with the mouse. Stop. Mouse, dog, elephant. We throw them off of a building onto a mattress. Yep. A stack of mattresses. How big is the building? It's a tall-ass building. It's 50 stories. It fucking dies. <clears throat> Which one of them fucking dies? All of them. The mouse would land and be stunned for a second and then walk away. 
Out of a 50-story building? Yes. The, to throw a mouse off a 50-story <laughs> yeah. building. Yeah. You think they would hit a mattress yeah. and Let's be make stunned. It sim- let's make it simpler. If you threw an ant off the building, what do you think would happen to it? It might be okay. They got yeah, weird yeah. actual skeleton <laughs> shit. <laughs> they got weird. Yeah, they got they weird. Got it's, a bug, it's a fucking it's a bug, bug thing. Insect, bug right? thing. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. The mouse land would be stunned for a second. They'll walk away. The dog would break all its bones and die. And the elephant would explode. Okay. Would just explode. Stop. Just stop. Just yeah. stop. I just want to wanna, wanna unpack this. It, how would a mouse survive the fall from a 50-story building onto a bunch of mattresses? Because the bigger you are, the more gravity affects you. The smaller you are, the less gravity oh, affects cool. you. Okay, okay, right. I, get, I get that. Do you know how much... Well, wait, that's why that's why insects can like hang on like ceilings. Right. I mean, do you know how much raptors weigh? Those birds? They weigh a, they weigh a pound. One pound. That's really? it. That's all they can weigh. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, okay, that, okay. That's, that's anything that flies. Really. I, I don't know about the mouse. I don't know if the mouse would just be stunned. I actually think it would just splatter and <laughs> just gore. from the eye test. I just like just, just from a guy just living from, in the world, a fucking a, a guy going to Trump that's rallies just kinda, and just you know just oh being a God. normal guy. Just I just think that it would just explode into gore. The dog would too, and the elephant would slam the mattresses down <laughs> and go through them. No, the elephant would just explode into red blood. This podcast is sponsored by Tempur-Pedic. Tempur-Pedic <laughs> is a fantastic. <laughs> so here's a crazy thing that Galileo figured out. If you increase yourself 10 times in length, you have 100 times more volume, and then you have 1,000 times more mass. Okay, sorry. So if Let you wrap if, my, my, my small mind around that one. Right, right, right. I increase myself. Say it again. So if you increase yourself 10 times in length, if you just stretched out Noah's 10 times in length, you will have 100 times more volume and you will have 1,000 times more mass. So while you're 10 times longer, you're actually a th- you actually weigh 1,000 times more. If I'm longer. <clears throat> it's if, you're lo- if you're longer. Because to make an organism like that, it has to be proportional. You think about how elephants are shaped and how horses are shaped. Or mice are shaped, right? All right. An elephant starts filling out like a cube. Okay. Right? A base, a, a big cube. Okay. Okay. So, if the sandworms were really that big, according, I guess, according to Dune, the or what is it, the Dune Wikipedia that I went to, if they're know, really that long, if they're mean. really that long, if they're five hundred meters in length, which is the which is the length of over fifteen blue whales. Their muscles would have to be unbelievably strong because. Do you know how much they would weigh? No. They would weigh 500 million pounds. That's how much the worm <laughs> would weigh to swim across sand. Okay? So, so to put it in perspective. That's using proportions. You're just proportioning Yeah, using proportions. So, so put it in perspective. The Antonov AN-225 Myria is the heaviest plane ever built. It was built in the Cold War by Russia. Okay? Of course, Russia built the heaviest plane ever. It's over a million pounds. So the sandworm would weigh 500 of the heaviest planes ever built. And it has to swim through sand, which even for a human, you know, human, you can, like, people have been buried alive in sand. They, you can't swim through sand. It's biologically oh, it's, very it's difficult. it's a huge creature that has a ton of pressure of the sand. Right. So to move its own body, its skeleton, its skeleton would have to be strong enough to hold 500 million pounds. Okay. So basically, so basically biologically impossible. All right. right? If it did have Guess the muscles, what? what would, if it had the muscles that would allow it to actually be alive as a 500 meter worm, how much would it weigh? Right, exactly. So if it, if it had the muscles like that, if it, it did, it, it can't it can't fit it in its in its body. If if it's too like it's tube like body like that, it couldn't fit it. That's what I'm trying. What to What would get it at. be? Just like a fucking weigh the planet down? It, yeah, exactly. It'd be like another planet? Exactly. Right. Okay. It'd have its own like orbit and shit like that. Okay. Okay. So the Dune Wikipedia. Which is the the have you been on the fandom site fandom.com slash dune? I was really surprised of how much fan shit there is for Dune. Yeah. Oh, how, it's I don't I mean, know it's why I was seminal, so surprised. It's a seminal text. But there was a seminal lot text. of dudes sitting alone in their mm. living room yeah. going on Dune Wiki. Right. Describes the worms as basic as autotrophs. So they eat plants. But also farther down, it says that they sift the sand for plankton. So obviously getting sunlight, I don't I didn't see any green, any photosynthesizing shit on the plant. On the worm, I mean. And I didn't see any plankton in the sand. So getting plankton from the sand would not be enough calories for a 500 million pound monster worm. Also, if while we're at this, how is there any oxygen on the planet at all? There's no plants. There's no plants at all. Wait, I was going to say what, yeah, I was going to say what do they eat 
because here's the thing. They they feel vibration, right? Yeah. So that is like a hunter. It obviously feels vibrations because it hunts things. But some a worm that big, it would have to eat like a city of humans a day. Yeah. So it says that it actually isn't hunting. It's protecting its area. It's protecting its zone by eating from other sandworms. The dune fan site says they're autotrophs. They're like plants. They get their energy from the sun. Oh, basically. they photosynthesize? Yeah. Then they That's would, what it says. Okay, okay but, just let me just go into that. They would not have the energy then. Plants photosynthesize because they stay still. Right. Right? It's only effective if you stay still. It, the worm wouldn't have the energy to like go through the sand. Also, under the sand, how are you going to photosynthesize? Okay, okay so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. The sand. What if the sand is a kind of quicksand? It's not like the sand here. It's very light sand. And the worm's skin and organs is actually super light. So it doesn't weigh 500 million pounds. You ever think about that? No, it doesn't. What if it's not sand? What if it's like quicksand, kind of like a fake sand? No, it, it doesn't make any sense because the only the only reason that plants are able able to photosynthesize is because they don't fucking move. Yeah, so you're telling me you don't make that much energy. Let me you don't make much energy photosynthesizing. Humans right. can't do it. Right. Okay. So in the story where spice is the key to interstellar travel and gives you magic powers. You're telling me that the sandworms probably are not possible either. Well, I'm just telling you that while Frank did the research on the poles, on the society being around the poles, the sandworms didn't fit into his science research. <coughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break, it's going to be time for Halftime Honey. Okay. the halftime honey toast where we discuss and celebrate some absurd science in the news that is somehow related to our episode i find the story and no response to this immediate thoughts excellent no what are we drinking today today we are drinking i'm drinking coffee and adam is drinking decaffeinated coffee mine is jack daniels coffee and i'm jack daniels decaf thank you jack daniels for sending us thank you thank you thank so you, much thank you for sending us your first, coffee your first brand of coffee we really really appreciate once it. again we really have to change the name if anyone has an idea for what the new halftime name should be please send to us at dude underscore nature at instagram we'd really appreciate it excellent okay this toast of my decaf non-caffeinated coffee goes out to i just the the um the phenomenon of idea sex do you know what idea sex is when two ideas come together and yes. they have intercourse yes <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. There you go. When two ideas have intercourse and merge with each other. Okay. okay. And this relates to Dune. Okay. So here's how Frank Herbert came up with the the world of Dune. He traveled to Florence, Oregon, in 1957 to write an article about how the desert sands in Oregon, that part of Oregon, was getting into houses and cars and blocking government buildings from working and stop like swallowing railroad tracks so they couldn't be worked on. This is crazy. This was his. This was his so, impetus for Dune. So I guess he was a, he was a magazine writer, and he went to go write about how how nature and man were at war with each other. Okay, that's really cool. In in Florence, Oregon. Okay, so here's what a, a really cool article. Wait, wait I, I just that's actually really cool. Can you tell people how to so, do from Red again, Rising? The this do- is the Half the Money <sighs> Toast where I I. We celebrate some absurd science no, in the I, news, I, 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 right? And I have to finish with the news, and no, then you I know. are able to respond to I love you to t- But it's really interesting if anyone's read Red Rising out there, how he came up with that idea. That's really great. Can you hold on to that? Hold on to that. Yes. Let me finish this point. I will hold on. Hold on. Okay. If you were caffeinated, your thoughts would be a little more scattered, and you would have gone there. Okay, so here's what a really cool article about his arrival in Oregon said about, about how he thought about this this man versus nature kind of situation he was he was in. So Herbert came to Florence in 1957, planning to write an article documenting this battle between man and nature. He was awestruck by the power of the blowing desert sand. As he wrote in a letter, these waves can be every bit as devastating as a tidal wave in property damage. Okay? Like you can tell from his books, he was interested in everything. He took a... F- either talking about Frank. He took a flight over the dunes. He took many photographs. He even walked onto them. Okay? Herbert finished his article on Florence, but it was never published. Instead, he began to dig deeper into desert ecosystems and human interactions with nature. The experience here, seeing the dunes, and the interaction between the people here and the environment they were living in, that really did become the center of Dune and Arrakis. That is so sick. 
I think it's I think it's super awesome to learn how authors got their ideas because I think when you read a book, you're just like, how did this person come up with it? And it's always like a real life thing. It's never it. You know what I mean? It it's like always like a real life experience they had that they came up with it. Like the dude from Red Rising said he was on a camping trip and they were talking about Greece, right? And he like looked up in this in the stars and was like, oh, like space plus Greek mythology, Roman mythology. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's fucking cool. That he did all this research. The dogs are going crazy. I think I think it's amazing how he did all that research into it. He obviously didn't do research in the sandworms, but that's why Dune hit so hard. I think. Yeah, it's super cool. It's 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 amazing it's really how people come. So idea sex, right? It really happens. Idea you, sex. You happens. might have one idea that wasn't good enough by itself, and then something else, and then they they have sexual relations, and they come up with the really good stuff. Right. Which I, I think, think is cool. When you write, because I'm a writer. Right. I think that a lot of your really shitty stuff, it ends up having sex with other shitty stuff and makes maybe a good baby. Or more shitty stuff. Or, But most of the time, it makes more shitty stuff. And then you spend a year writing it, and you realize that it was actually shit the whole time. Mm-hmm. Writing's a dark place. Yeah. Talk to us about slick suits. Okay. No, well, I'm going to talk to you about force fields first. Okay. So, in this is, this is force fields. In Dune, there are personal force shields, right? Where individuals have one, it stops both high-velocity projectiles and melee combat. Unless you are trained to slowly approach at the intersection of the shield when you're basically about to stab someone. So, interestingly, you know the part where Paul fights the Freeman in the desert? Yeah. And they're like, why are you hesitating? Mm-hmm. Um, so, he was hesitating to kill the dude because he had never killed someone. But in the book... He's also really hesitating because he is only trained to fight shield versus shield. Mm-hmm. And the Freemen, they don't use shields because the shields make a pulsing that attract the sandworms. Mm-hmm. And so that's like his first time ever fighting without a shield. And so the reason that he's hesitating is because he's, tr- he's slowing up t- before the final strike. I mean, that just goes back to you got to have range, right? When you're training athletics. No, and it goes back to fucking how Messi was trained. It goes back to the Barcelona Academy, right? You got to be training without shields. And they looked at this and realized train with shields and train without shields. Um, But with shields, obviously, we don't know a bunch about personal force shields. The problem, the problem. Do you think in La Masia, they should have made them train without boots on, without soccer boots? I'm sure they do. Just in case, you know, you don't have your boots. I'm sure they do. So personal force shields are tough because you need we don't have the you need a power source and a power source that would be big enough to form a a a for a personal force shield you can't have on your body. Right? Sure. Is that true? I don't yes. I don't know. So okay, so but here's the thing about force shield is that actually we're pretty sure that you can make a force shield like surrounding a city or surrounding an army. So like in in the Phantom Menace yeah, you know when like the two, the two armies are about are about to meet, and there's there's four shields. Yeah, okay. So we're pretty sure that you can do this. All right, the way and the way that you do this is with plasma. Okay, so pla- there are four states. Do you know what the four states of matter are? Yeah, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna teach yeah, you sure. how to construct yeah, sure, sure, how yeah, how sure, we yeah. would construct a four shield. Okay, there's solid water. Nope, that is this an liquid liquid. Yeah, the liquid liquid is a form of matter. Liquid it's in liquid, liquid is a form of matter. Water is an element. Gas, gas, liquid, solid, and plasma. Very good. Yeah, gas, liquid, solid, and plasma. What what is plasma? You might ask. Okay, it's superheated. Plasma, it's superheated, isn't it? Isn't it just superheated matter? Okay, so yeah, it is superheated gas. It's superheated gas. So stars. Like yeah, our star, yeah, they're yeah. full of plasma. Lightning is plasma. If you a a fire is plasma. Mm-hmm. It's a strange state of matter. It's not a solid. It is not a gas. It is something entirely different. So the crazy thing about plasma, if you if you take a lighter and you and you flick it on and you take a magnet, I didn't know this. I didn't know any of this. And you take a magnet and you move it towards that that flame. Mm-hmm. It will distort the flame. Oh, will it? And so mag yeah. So magnetic fields, a magnet. Affects plasma. Okay, and the cool thing about this is that if you took two really strong magnets and put them far apart and put a flame in between them, you could literally have a force field of fire. 
Oh, okay. Because you're talking about yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're talking about a mag- okay. electronic, right? So what electric I, field? So so we're talking about force force shields, right? Yeah. yeah. And the truth, uh, it's kind of a truth of the universe that magnets affect plasma, which is good for force shields because then we can take something like a flame or lightning yeah, and yeah. string it between two magnets and make a force shield. Okay, so because the flame doesn't know which side to go to because it's being it will pulled be in both directions, both. you have the magnetic force. On both sides of the flame. Yeah. So a force shield is a real possibility here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, personally, so we, no, because it would take too large. Personally, no, because it would the magnets would be too large. Okay. Because you the magnets would be too large to carry, but you could string it around a city. How? Like put a magnet all around the city, and then somehow I don't put the fucking plasma up there. Would it actually stop a giant projectile from hitting would, the city? I mean, it would it would stop anything from coming through. It would vaporize the thing coming through if you yeah. had a, if you had a big enough one. Yeah, uh, I think that was pretty crazy. So, is anyone interested in this technology for real world applications? Like, are we sure, actually yeah. looking at gotta, it? Got to be the military is. So the reason we're looking at it is for space travel. Oh, um, as we talked about before on the podcast. In long voyages, ships and passengers are subject to a ton of radiation. So, and just to just to clarify this, a study published it radiation is is like one of the hardest parts about space travel. We don't know how to get around it. When you're on when you're out in space for a while, you get sick from radiation. A study published in 2019 from Scientific Reports stated that from looking at 418 people that had been to space, of those astronauts that had been to space, 30 33% of the of the 418 astronauts that have been to that have been to space, of the ones that died, 33% died from cancer, and that is correlated to of all the deaths in the United States, 22% are from cancer. So mm-hmm. you can see that the astronauts have a higher rate of dying from cancer. Yeah, do you I see, see that? that? Yeah, I see that. Okay, so it's clear that space increases the risk of cancer, but we're not sure how much it increases it or how how risky it is. It's because from exposure to the sun. It's from the radiation from the sun. From the sun. Yeah, it's from the radiation from the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, another study by Colorado State University published in 2020 says that a mission to Mars will give each of the crew members a 3% chance of dying from cancer. Oh, okay. Yeah, so anyway, Thanks. you get it, right? Like, with this yeah. radiation problem in space, we don't know how to deal with it. So we're trying to use force so, fields for that. One thing awesome about force fields is that if we put it around a ship, force fields of plasma, they don't just, they don't just stop projectiles or stuff from coming through, they stop radiation. Oh. Um, so NASA is looking into putting force fields around ships for, for long-term space travel. The biggest problem, though, is that to get a force field to stay around a ship, mm-hmm. the magnets would be would need to be nine tons. No. Oh, okay. So it's not feasible at the moment. Nine-ton magnets to generate enough To hold force. the plasma. I thought we had, like, neodymium magnets. Is that how you say it? Neodymium? Whoa. Really, really dude, strong we, dude, magnets? Dude, we could do an episode just on magnets. Yeah, we should Because, do as I'm going to go to right now, and what the people really want to know, Magnetize. current news on the world's strongest magnet. Yeah, that's so, what I Okay, know. so although NASA is not using it now, we are using a super strong magnet to control plasma. Magneto. His name is Magneto. Okay, mm-hmm. so in, in June 15th, this is the biggest magnet in the world. Yeah. Okay, listen up. In June 15th of this year, engineers in the U.S. finished work on the world's strongest magnet. It basically it looks like a large steel tire that's six stories high. It's it's humongous. Um, the magnet is it's the strongest magnet ever built. It's 280,000 times stronger than the Earth's magnetic sphere. <laughs> okay, it is so strong. This magnet is it is a public health hazard, dude. It's so strong the magnet that it can lift an aircraft carrier. It can literally, an aircraft carrier, imagine this, guys, listeners out there, imagine an aircraft carrier, and imagine it literally sticking to a magnet. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what this magnet can do. Aircraft carriers weigh 100,000 tons. What you say, mm-hmm. mm, that you only meant well, that's right. well, cause you did, mm, what you say, mm, that it's all for the best, <laughs> cause it Okay, the magnet is being shipped to France for use in one of the first fusion reactors, nuclear fusion reactors. Whoa, wait, we are making a fusion reactor? I guess Where are we making France, a fusion France reactor? France is fucking making it. France is doing it? Okay, so yeah, and just just to just to re-up, fusion is the combination of atoms. Mm-hmm. It is it is a more efficient 
form of energy than fission, which is what we currently do, which is the splitting of atoms. So, yeah. So when you split uranium, whatever, to whatever, whatever, it makes a ton of energy. But it turns out when you actually put them back together, it makes even more, makes even more energy. It makes even more energy. Right. And so something we haven't done yet. But it's something we haven't done, and it's a huge step for our nuclear power plants to be, like, to get to the next level. Okay? So what do you think this magnet will be used for? Oh, is it going to be used to, to fuse atoms together? Okay. It, I mean, that's a pretty good guess, but, but no. Oh, okay. If you can, th- let me give you a hint. This, the magnet, it controls plasma. It controls plasma. Right. Ma- plasma responds to magnets. Again, the lighter and the magnet. Yeah. Plasma responds to magnets. Mm-hmm. It's going to be used to control the nuclear reaction. So not have it literally explode. Oh, you're right. To not have a, a chain nuclear reaction. Right. So they're literally going to have this nuclear reaction going on. This magnet is the thing that's like stopping it from just blowing up. Okay. Isn't that sick? Okay, because it's an incredibly strong force. Yeah. What happens if you were holding, like if you were holding a uh, a little washer next to the magnet? Would you just be sucked into it? Oh my it? God, that washer would be fucking Did someone ever zip. do? someone ever do that? The, the, the wa- like, would the washer zip to the magnet and would it just go through someone? Like, is it is it just starting to pull things out of buildings near it? Where do they put this thing? That's a really, really good question. You got to be careful with I this I like how you're thing. thinking about all like the, the issues with building it. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, like if you turn, is this like pulling the steel beams of the warehouses right. down into it? So if we can make something like that, we can't put it onto a spaceship because it will affect the orbit because it weighs so much. Because the got the thing is fucking humongous. It's six stories of. Magnet. How are you gonna get it up there? How? Oh, it's six stories of magnet. Right. Oh shit. Okay. We're, we're so putting it in a nuclear reactor. Yeah. Do you not? Do you not think it's cool that this, the huge magnet is being used to contain a nuclear reaction? No, I think it's super cool, and it's it's containing it with its force field. Force field. You know, just a force that you cannot see. Magnets. Force that, yeah, a force that you cannot see. But the reason I put it on there, if you make the, the correct correlation on like, and you had some coffee, is, be, is because magnets are used to control force fields. Right? Bang. Okay, still suits. Mm-hmm. Okay, not too much about this one. I did find I did find a still suit that was used for. It was a a sexual still suit. It was like a oh, lingerie. T- no, that's perfect. That's I found. Totally I, I did, it, 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 you know how much? What is how this? much do you think the lingerie still suit costs? What is the sexual still it's suit? It's like do? a sexy still suit that you that you can buy. Oh, it's like hey, I'm like it's a like dune hey, Freeman. I'm like I'm like a Dune Freeman, but I like is it to have for sex? a man. Or, is it for a man it's or for a woman? Or is it? I only multi-gender. saw gender. Well, I only saw. <laughs> Does it have a hole? Does it have a hole where the, I only, where the wiener is? I only saw the, the woman one. I believe it is like it looks like a one-piece swimsuit. Yeah. But still suited with thong back. Okay. How much do you think it costs? The still suited sex suit. The sex still suit. Three hundred and fifty-four euros. Which is how many dollars? Five hundred. A ton. A, more than that. About yeah. five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, one cool thing I realized is that, um, do you know that this, on the space station, they are 98% effective at recycling fluids coming off of a person? Oh, I had no so, idea. So, yeah. So, I, it is not just pee. It is sweat. Yeah. It's tears. It's everything. The space, the space station, you can think of the space, International Space Station, as one big still suit. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, how do we recycle the pee? Recycle the shit out of it. I'm not. I'm not totally sure how we do it. What do you we actually do have to get out of pee? Like, what is in pee? The toxic. They get whatever shit, They get shit out of it, and, and they get shit. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I didn't know that out of if you're an astronaut in the space station, you're bit, you're in a big still suit, and it will recycle ninety eight percent of your fluids, including humidity, including your sweat. So when you sweat in space, not all of it's going to stick to you, right? A lot. Some of it's going to fly off of your body. They they recycle. And then all they of it. they suck it up and. And then you drink it? 98% effective. Is sweat just water? Is there something else going on there? It's like salty, wa- no, salty all, water? No, all these are fantastic questions. I just know that it's okay. 98% effective at recycling all your sweat and stuff, which I didn't know. Okay. Hypnosis. This is the oh. part where Paul and his mom convince the dudes, you know, they convince the dudes from the ship to kill each other. They do the voice. Yeah. So we've talked about hypnosis before in this podcast. I looked into it again, and it does seem possible to affect people using hypnosis with very dedicated techniques. Yeah, Obviously not like not just yelling at someone with a loud voice. Can I tell you, I just affected you. I picked my nose, and you just picked your nose, too. That's crazy. Yeah. It might have been hypnosis. It was hypnosis. I just... <laughs> I heard an ooh. I heard, I heard someone say ooh I just scratched myself. Yeah. So in 1972, Dr. David Spiegel, 
He studied hypnosis for 45 years. Oh, man. And he said, you know what? I'm going to do surgery and not use any pain medication. Okay. Uh, and he fucking did it. He had shoulder surgery and used absolutely no pain medication and was able to manage all of the pain. And he, he said it was from hypnosis. How did he hypnotize himself? Okay. Good question. He Not totally sure. But before you say that Dr. Spiegel is like a crazy, is a Yahoo, he is... The head of psych- of psychiatry at Stanford University. Right, so a Yahoo. No, so he's not a Yahoo. Right, well, yeah. He's the head of the, th- the fucking thing at, at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And he's, do- he's done some pretty outlandish shit, but he's like, you know, people, th- they don't think he's crazy. Innovator, Yahoo. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, what's yeah. the difference? Um, he says, as he explains it, Dr. Spiegel says, that being hypnotized feels like when you're watching a movie you really enjoy. The real world deteriorates, and you become totally captivated in that movie. Wait, how do you do this? How did he do it? Didn't go that deep. Uh, I forget. There was a reason. Like I did. I. 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 Like, I. Like didn't find it. Something was like happening. Oh, I know how to do it. I know how to do it. How do you do it? Here it comes. <laughs> there it is. It's been a while. There it is. Okay. Is that so, it? Yeah. So it's just <laughs> Is that what he did? He okay, so he published a study. He wanted to see how people can get into hypnosis. Like how is this even possible? Mm-hmm. Um and he published a study in in a magazine, Cerebral Cortex, in twenty sixteen. The study shows how the brain works during hypnosis. They basically they to find they took candidates and they, they hypnotized them and put them in an MRI machine to see what their brain was doing. Yeah. Okay. To find candidates, this is funny. David and his team screened 500 people to find the ones that were the most hypnotizable. I guess, like, being able to be hypnotized is, like, it's a trait. And he said Mm. that with a trained screener, you can tell in five minutes whether someone is easily able to be hypnotized or not able to be hypnotized. No way. Just by questions? He said two-thirds of adults are hypnotizable and the other third's not. Is Is there any kind of correlation to how religious those people are? That is a that is a great a fascinating question. Fascinating, fascinating question. question. It's fascinating. I mean, really, really fascinating. It is. I don't know. So, but Just you saying. you can't tell in five minutes whether someone is able to be hypnotized. I kind of thought that it was is like there any Jewish people. Idiot. I was like, are they idiots? Do you just tell this this person's a dumbass? <laughs> So what he really means. This person's a moron. There, I'm gonna hypnotize them. <laughs> what, he <laughs> what he really wanted to say is, you look for morons, you bring them into the study, right? As Dr. David puts it. Here's what he says about the people that are able to be hypnotized. Listen to this. Tell me what you think about this. They tend to be less insistent on logic and order and more experiential. Experiential. They like using their imaginations. They find it fun. It kind of sounds like us. I like using my imagination, but I like I, using my imagination. I'm, I'm insistent on logic and order, though. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so, so you mean I like a little? Know. You mean like kind of butterfly people? Butterflies. 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 Shout out to Alejandro. Shout out to Alejandro. Our favorite butterfly. They they like to use their imagination. Yeah. They like to fly. Yeah. Did he really just want to say a moron? Alejandro, I love you. You're not a moron. But did he really just want to say a moron? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So they found the morons and they put them in an MRI of their brain during a hypnosis session. Okay? Mm-hmm. What they found using a heat map was a complete change of someone's brain during hypnosis. So it's it's... The big, the big part about this is that it wasn't, what's it called when, when you just make it up? But a lie? I think it's no, called a lie. No, fucking, no. A fib. No. It, it's like when you, you think something and then therefore it happens. Oh, you mean the secret? Oh, God. The gift? No, I hate you. Oh, it's, uh, it's serendipity? Serendipitous? No, fucking God, no. You think and therefore it happens. No, whatever. Um, think and grow rich. Napoleon Hill. What they found using a heat map. Was a loss of activity in the part of the brain that chooses what actions you should be do you should be doing. Mm. So the part of your brain that's like I should be doing this, I shouldn't be doing this. It just goes completely cold. Yeah, when you're being hypnotized, and you get okay. it, right? Oh shit, yeah, that makes sense. Because then you're fucking. And this is why you can be caught so caught up in a good movie when you really need to be doing real estate or eating or working on something. It's why people can play video games and not pee. Oh, you know the story of the South Koreans like peeing in the bottles. Because they're playing, it's like such Starcraft sessions. How do they pee? How do they pee in a bottle while they're crafting? They can't go to the bathroom. It's too far. How do you pee in a bottle while you're crafting, though? You know, one hand of the mouse, one hand on your wing. 
You just don't have enough actions per second to know Wang, how to do it. Tang. You pee. You're you're building your base, your troops, and peeing. Okay. The the part of the brain that stimulates self-reflection also sim- simmer down. And as Doctor Doctor Spiegel put it, it's basically why in stage show in stage shows where people are hypnotized, they'll do crazy things without thinking about other people watching them. Whoa, 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 whoa. So okay, so hypnosis is really possible. Yeah, so what's crazy about the study is that it really, when someone's hypnotized, there is a completely different map of their brain than before. A mm-hmm. completely different map. Their brain goes into a different state. Um, he is very interested in using his research, research to help patients manage pain. Oh, okay. In a previously published article, he showed that patients that learn hypnosis, they use half the pain medication of others. So you can half people's pain medication because oh, you can basically good. hypnotize yourself out of pain. Right. He, he had That's shoulder great. surgery with That's it. That's going to be great because the it seems like the U.S. Uh, doctors want to give out pain meds less and less and less and less. Right. So that will be probably where we're but at. But like, as like a rough thing, like when you're actually in pain and really need them, they don't really seem need to want them. to give them right. to you right. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he puts it, if, if opiates affects <coughs> – excuse me. This is his quote. If opiates affect certain regions of the brain, like the dorsal anterior cingulate – and some other brain regions, there's no reason why we can't use a different approach to produce similar effects in the brain that are real effects that reduce pain and anxiety and help people stop smoking. He also wants to help people stop smoking. And I remember from the mushroom episode mm-hmm. that we did mm-hmm. that like people that were like alcoholics and people that were addicted to smoking when they when they did a bunch of shrooms, yeah, yeah, they right. like there was a huge re- reduction in their right. addiction. Yep. Yeah, yes. And so right. uh, it's just interesting. So it's a similar kind of thing. Similar, you can change like, your mind through hypnosis. hypnosis. You can change. You can actually like unlock your mind and change it through hypnosis, like you can do with the mushrooms. Like your physical neurons in your brain. Yeah, you can rewire the connections of your neurons to not be addicted to that thing. Okay, very cool. So it, it is really a thing. It's really it's not a even thing. like pseudo. No, so that's why it's crazy. It's really a thing because he showed that your brain, while hypnotized, is in a completely different state. Okay, your girlfriend just walked by and made a face. She made a face at me. Did you see the face? She well, let's go hypnotize her. Okay. I don't know what that face said, but it hypnotized me. Well, maybe yeah. she wasn't happy with with my, me me at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> no. and the things that I said. Okay, so that's okay. Okay. All right. We're going to do one more break, and after that, it's time for Open Kimono. Okay. This is the Open Kimono where we freely talk and discuss our final thoughts on the topic and leave nothing to the imagination. Indeed. No, what is your Open Kimono besides you being a white supremacist? My Open Kimono is that you it, the, the, the force field really got me because mm-hmm. I can really wrap my mind around it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just plasma is like fire. If you take a magnet, you can suspend that plasma and then have like a basically like a field of fire. Like you get it, right? It's not like mm-hmm. too hard. So yeah, you can actually, you can make a force field mm-hmm. and then hip hypnosis is real it just takes like you know you can't just yell at someone right also we're living in mom's living room and our sister has actually come visit for a month and so there is just a lot of it's a lot of female in here i i, I, I like it love females thank you for listening but it's just it's a lot of here we go again fuck it we're, 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 we're again. i love we all the again. female listeners i love you guys thank you I, i'm in the doghouse with my girlfriend now and all you guys but i'll work my way out Thank you for listening. Adam, what's your open kimono? Uh, my open kimono, you know, he wrote this in 1966. I guess he was writing it in the 50s, published in 66. So this is a man. This is a time when you didn't have any internet, right? There's no internet. Nope. There's just a bunch of books on stuff. 
So that's I think true. I think that we need to give more credit to I people like who this. come up with these insanely imaginative yeah, good. things. Good take. When we're so used to having the information stream anytime we want, right? It's how we can do this podcast. Yes, yeah, so literally, but this, you do. The, the people that wrote these books back in the day, they didn't That's, have okay. that information. I love this. I love this. So I, I this. just think that their feats are so much more impressive right. in You're a way. De- it's definitely true. It's so definitely true. That's what there, I think about uh, I, Dune. In the I world. also want to say there is no way he wrote Dune without some coffee. <laughs> there's no, I mean, there's no there's fucking no way. way that he wrote it Dune without no, coffee. It wasn't even cool to not drink coffee back then. You know, you had to drink right. it back right. then. Yeah, you could being. Pretentiary didn't become a thing until recently. Right. Pretentiary wasn't pretentiary until modern. Do you think pretentiary pretentiary is modern? I think it's modern. That is wild. Shout out to Sarah and her boyfriends. I hope she's here. They are not the sandworm. They don't. They are not giant sandworms. That she has a better boyfriend than sandworm. Maybe like Paul Treaties and whatever his his girl who's coming in the next movie is going to be. You know, they have that kind of relationship. Right. You know, she gives him. She Sarah gives him. A Jewish knife, you know, of a, <laughs> a Jewish heirloom of a knife. I, I just, I feel like I shouldn't comment on the relationship anymore. I wanted to comment a lot, but I'm just going to hold back. On which? On just, on just heterosexual relationship. No, I think no, I've done enough. No, that's enough. You've done enough. <laughs> I've done enough. <laughs> if we didn't cut everything out, he's in the dialogue podcast. We don't edit this podcast. <laughs> You've done enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, shout out to, the, to them. You can find us at dude underscore nature on Instagram. We are... Dude Nature Podcast, DudeNaturePod.com, not DudeNature.com. Fuck that website. DudeNaturePod.com. That's where we're at. You can find out more about us there. Frank Herbert, thanks for listening. I think you're dead, but somehow you listened. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Frank. Hey, listeners, male or female, we love you. We, we love, love you a ton. Thank hey, you so male much for or listening. Female, whatever, thank whatever you so you much for listening and supporting us. And just thank you for li- We love you. <laughs> okay. We just fucking love you. Trump rally starts in five minutes. There we go. Goddamn.